Welcome to a special edition of Breaking Badness. In this episode for the Stronger Together miniseries, we are joined by Alan Liska, ransomware researcher, aka ransomware sommelier at Recorded Future. We sat down, or rather stood, and leaned against a wall, away from all the noise, to discuss his path to InfoSec, interesting talks from RSA, uh, liberal arts and cybersecurity, a pending passion project, and some general geeking out over DNS. This special episode of Breaking Badness is next. Okay, we are here at RSA with Alan Liska. Alan, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, thank you for having me. This is amazing. I, you know I love the podcast. You've been on the podcast yes. before, right? And, yeah. Uh, Kelsey keeps promising me that I'll come back, and then she keeps letting me down. Oh. I think she secretly doesn't like me, and she just doesn't want to say anything. Oh. So right. now we're going to have to schedule something a little bit longer. Or Kelsey's just going to have to acknowledge that we're secretly mortal enemies. Yeah, I, I feel like the former is probably the true one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'd be surprised. But yeah, so so how long has it been since you were last on the podcast? I think it's been a couple of years. Oh, no. um, I know, because I, uh, I did the podcast. It was definitely during the pandemic. Oh, so it's, I mean, I know the pandemic is still going on in a lessened yeah. state, but at the, sort of the height of the pandemic. Okay. Um, it was fun. I mean, we got to do everything over Zoom, and was, uh, it was kind of a lot of fun to see everybody's houses. Um, yeah. So I, I enjoyed it, and I mean, and, and I guess, actually, I'll take that back. I did record something for your very special episode. Um, so, you know, that's always nice. A super special episode. That's yeah. right. So, Alan, for, for people that don't know... What company do you work with, and what do you do? So I work for a company called Recorded Future. We're a threat intelligence company, and my job primarily is post on Twitter. Hopefully you can bleep that out. I think we have that capability. Okay, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> I am a, a ransomware researcher, but I do a lot of outreach as well. I, um, I, I, I do webinars. I talk to schools. I... You know, kind of trying to educate people on what's going on, especially in the world of ransomware, but in general, what's going on with all the badness in cybersecurity. What's it like? To, like when you say talk to schools, like what what level of schooling are we talking about? Is it like going to elementary schools and being like, "Don't do drugs"? I don't <laughs> go to elementary schools anymore, and I'll tell you why. Um, I actually work for the Microsoft Teals program, which is an amazing program um, where they bring in like industry experts to help with computer science classes and so on. And I did that for a couple semesters, loved it before my travel schedule got insane. But the first time I was there, the teacher wanted me to brief the, the kids on kind of how hacking works and everything. So I walked the students through how I would hack their school to, to get them to change their grades. And... They were kind of expecting me sitting at the keyboard furiously typing away, and what I told them was, no, like when I went to sign in, uh, so I live in the Washington, D.C. area. Okay. Um, when I went to sign in, I noticed that the uh, the, the woman behind the reception counter um, was wearing a Capitals jersey and had like a, a Vetchkin bobblehead. So what I would do if I wanted to break in your school was I would send her a phishing email saying like free Capitals tickets for educators, because I'm pretty sure she would open that. 
I would install my implant, I'd go get lunch and uh, wait for my implant to call back and I'd be in. And the students were so impressed with that, it was like they were taking notes because they were like, oh my God, that would work. Um, like, oh. you know, because it dawned on them actually how easy hacking could be. And then the teacher pulled me aside and said, please don't tell them that. I'm like, I didn't tell them where to get the, 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 the loader and all that other stuff. Yeah. I just explained how easy it is to actually <laughs> hack somebody if you have that kind of information. But, but, yeah, they asked me not to do that anymore. So now I mostly talk to college students. Well, you kind of, like, gave a, gave a kid a fish. Which, right. No, well, you kind of taught them to fish. Really. I, I, didn't give them, I didn't tell them which bait to use. Oh, okay. no, I told them which bait to use, but I didn't give them the fishing yeah. line. Okay, all right. So, it's just like, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but, like, what talk about motivating <laughs> the use. <laughs> They're like, it's that easy? Oh, my God. <laughs> It really is, and you know, and we think like, oh my God, all these hackers are super sophisticated out there. And I mean, and that's like our industry has a tendency to do that. Of, yeah. I mean, like we're standing 50 feet from the CrowdStrike booth where they fetishize their threat actors with like giant 10 foot action figures. Sorry, CrowdStrike, I do love you. You have great analysts, but seriously, stop. All you need to know is that the, the the lady at the front desk loves the capitals and you can get in. It's not always that hard. So is the lesson here that we should love nothing? <laughs> right, right. The, the, the lesson is you should dress in plain tan every day and show no likes whatsoever. Yeah, because um, that's how they get you. <laughs> the, the, the lesson is that people are always going to be susceptible no matter how good you are no matter how aware you are and that is not blaming people right that's because I, I know that's another thing that, that that people tend to do in our industry which i don't like which is blame the employees for oh why did you click on that phishing email well because it was like free tickets for the capitals why yeah. wouldn't they click on that yeah like why didn't we stop that obvious phishing email from getting to them in the first yeah. place um and you know and that's why not to plug you all, but that's one of the reasons why I love Domain Tools so much is you help with the stopping of getting to the employees in the first place. I can't expect every employee to be an expert on security. Yeah. I can't expect an employee that's got 50 things going on in their life to like be mentally aware of every threat coming their way every second of every day. I need to do that for them and, and make it as easy as possible so they can reliably click on that message and maybe actually get free capitals tickets. I saw it was, it wasn't an actual phishing attempt, but like I saw on TikTok, somebody was like, yeah, now the company has to go through phishing training because I clicked on the Taylor Swift tickets for, it was a Taylor Swift ticket phishing email that it was like a test that she didn't pass. But it's just like, obviously, it's an interest that somebody has. Those are tickets that are hard to get. So it's like, of course, I'm clicking on that. <laughs> I'm going to say, try and say this the right way. I don't want to give people who are listening the wrong idea, but you look a lot like Taylor Swift. Really? So I could see where you would be a big Taylor Swift fan. In fact, I secretly think you're behind the Swift on Security Twitter account. It's, it's me, everybody. It is. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. Nobody has ever told me that before. I get Sometimes I get Julia Roberts, which I also don't get, but... No, I think... I mean, maybe I'm just not a big enough Taylor Swift fan, but I do think... Um, well, you know what? I'm going to take it. I'm going okay. to take, take the win. All right. Thank you, Alan. Yeah, no oh problem. Oh, my gosh. I'm here so to sweet. boost your ego and be honest. You can be on our show every week from now until the end of time. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, to switch gears a little bit, 
we're on day two for RSA. How has it been for you so far? Are we on day three? Is it day three? Well, Monday. What day is it? I went, uh, there was things on Monday. I guess the expo opened Tuesday, but it's, Monday. You know what, Alan? It's really hard to understand when it officially starts, because, like, I was still setting up the booth a little bit on Monday. Got it. And I'm like, does it, I'm like, is this one or is this zero? It's right, like, right. zero, oh, one, good point. Two, yeah. So it is day two, right. It's like, have you ever been to a building in Europe and, like, the, the first floor is the ground floor yes. and you're like no 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 the first floor is the first floor yes so this is like right no how I completely we, agree it's like I guess it depends on how how you're looking at it like right. we, but it's Wednesday right so we've been here for a little bit a long time a long time and you are super busy like I am so happy we got to do this I, I appreciate it yeah. I wouldn't miss it for the world I love you all so much oh my gosh thank you like but so so what have you been up to while you've been here so I did a talk yesterday, and then I've been attending some really, really good talks. There have been some some incredible talks on a lot of different things. I love Sam Sabin did a talk. Um, she's a reporter for Axios, and she did a talk on creativity in the cybersecurity industry, which is, I think is a really undervalued cool. um, skill set that I think is so important in what we do. But we don't encourage that. Like, we're, we, we pretend to be all about the numbers and so on. Yeah. But creativity is such an important part of what we do. Not just to help get the message out, but even to be thinking like an attacker or thinking of, oh, hey, how could attacks happen? And, and, and kind of planning for that. Uh, so, really, I, I learned a lot from that talk, and I really enjoyed that. And there have been some good ransomware talks and technical talks, and then... You know, obviously, I've spent a lot of time uh, uh, kind of wandering the booths and yeah. everything. Oh, wow. I really wish I could have gone to that. That sounds really cool. Like, did they talk at all about, like, neurodiversity in cybersecurity? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that and, you know, kind of ways to inspire yourself to be more creative and, you know, things as simple as, hey, maybe get out and go for a walk during the middle of the day and, yeah. you know, stuff like that, ways that you can kind of boost the way you think and yeah. uh, or, or the way your, your creativity happens and yeah and the difference between um, you know something I don't know a whole lot about but you know the difference between creativity and somebody who's neurodiverse and somebody who's not and, and so on and I think that that is again an area I don't know enough of and so it's always fascinating to learn. How do you how do you feel like you keep yourself creative like what do you do to get your juices flowing? I have too much creativity um, is part of my problem. We're very prolific on Twitter, reading your tweets. Thank you. And, and that is uh, one of the problems is I sometimes have to tone down my creativity. So just, uh, and, you know, again, I, I mentioned going to colleges. I'm just at a college the other the other week and, and Record Future asked me to talk about kind of what are the jobs going to be um, in the future and kind of what the threats are going to be in the future. And it's only because of my wife that they didn't get this. What my original plan was, um, so we were in Pittsburgh, um, and so I was going to grab a Pramonti Brothers sandwich, and I was going to go to the front of the room and say, um, put up the first slide, what the threats are in the future and uh, what your job roles will be in the future. And then the second slide was going to be, if I know. Um, and then I was going to eat um, my sub for the 15 minutes of time and stare at everybody awkwardly because I don't know. Like, I mean, I can think of things, but like the people graduating today, they're going to define their own careers. I mean, they're not. They're going to start off at so a SOC Analyst 1 and SOC Analyst 2 and so on, but they're going to define their own careers. I was a sociology major. Like, 
being a ransomware researcher was not a thing when I graduated college in 90, well, when I went to college in 92, I never graduated. But, you know, you know, so I had no idea that, that I was going to one day spend time, A, on Twitter, and B, uh, researching ransomware. Um, and, and, and the kids graduating today, they're going to define what their own roles are after they do kind of the legwork, right? Yeah. After they get things started. And that is the message that I wanted to get across. Don't let me tell you because I don't know. I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. Um, Maybe they'll be sociologists. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the sociology of, of cybercrime. Like, yeah. that is a field of study now. Like, there are sociology courses dedicated to understanding cybercrime because there are societal impacts that lead to cybercrime. One of the reasons it's so prolific in Russia is you have a really educated uh, uh, you have a really educated populace, right? The, the great schools in Russia, not a whole lot of tech jobs. Yeah. And so cybercrime is a, is a fair option. So we see the same thing in Brazil. You have a subset of the Brazilian population that's really well educated, but there aren't a lot of tech jobs. But cybercrime is a way that they can put their tech skills to work, right? Okay. And, and so there are sociological implications to cybercrime, and it's really kind of a fascinating area of study. So you're absolutely right. Did, did you go to a liberal arts school? I went to University of Maryland. Okay, because I was like, this is a very liberal arts ed education conversation we're <laughs> happening right now. Well, I mean, sociology is kind of like the ultimate, I mean, other than philosophy, it's like the ultimate yeah, liberal arts major. I know, I'm just like, this conversation, like, I can feel like my dad being like, yes, yes, liberal arts, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I think we need more liberal arts people in, in cybersecurity. Um, you know, I think it's so important. And that's like something, too, where, like, because I went to the College of Worcester, Oh, um, yeah. Great school. It's a great school. Yeah, go Scots. Um, but it's just like, I don't think that there would be a like a sociology of cybercrime class there. I just can't envision it. But it would be very impactful to have that there. So I don't know how to get the message to higher education. Like, you know, even though you don't have classes that are, you know, about, you know, cybersecurity, like this is, this is meaningful. And it... And it does impact the liberal arts education. If we want a well-rounded education, we need to understand this, too. All right, so if we want to make your dad really proud, yeah. what do you say that you and I do a joint um, presentation at, like, the um, American Sociological Association Conference? Because um, they do that every year. We could put together a presentation on the importance of uh, the sociological study of cybercrime, um, and then you could have presented at the ASA. I would love to do that, Alan. Okay. Like so much. Uh, I know it's that you the, all can't see it. Yeah, we, <laughs> we just fist bumped, so yeah. it's absolutely so happening. So it's, it's official, it's in the books, it's on a recording. Uh, yeah, af so, like it's like an un unofficial affidavit. There you go, maybe, right. No, it's pretty, it's pretty it's official. A, it's official. Okay. Like, Merrick Garland will come after us if we break this. Oh my gosh, I do not want Merrick Garland coming after me. Exactly. <laughs> the ghost of Elliot Ness coming after <laughs> me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. So, speaking of creativity, yeah. um, fun project. I don't know if I'm allowed to plug things that um, are not official recorded future stuff, so I hope this is okay. Okay. Um, I'm, I love, uh, and you'll probably have to ask your dad about this, I love old-time radio, radio serials. Okay. Um, so, like, back in the day before TV, people used to listen to the radio. So they'd gather around at 8 o'clock at night, and they'd listen to, like, The Lone Ranger or Superman yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or any of those. Well, one of my favorite um, is uh, yours truly, Don Johnny Dollar. Okay. And Johnny Dollar is a um, 
is a freelance insurance investigator and like you know so it's like think of like Dashiell Hammett right it's like a pulpy detective kind of thing yeah well because of a weirdness in um, in U.S. copyright laws, those radio broadcasts aren't um, aren't copyrighted. So what I'm doing right now is I'm putting together a comic book of yours truly, John, yours truly Johnny Dollar, where he is a cyber insurance investigator, and he goes around and investigates uh, cyber crime. That's cool. So I've got uh, I've got a, I'm not uh, artistically talented at all, but I've written the script and I've got an artist that's starting to put together the book, and I'm really excited for for when I'm able to finally get that out. When's that gonna be ready? I. We're both full-time, other jobs, and doing this part-time, so I don't know, but it's something that we're kind of slowly working on. Work's getting in the way of your side project. I know. Well, apparently you can't make money unless you're Stan Lee uh, uh, making comic books, so... Okay, but that is so cool. Like, do you have, like, maybe an estimate of when it might be ready? So, I do probably will want to launch, like, a fundraising campaign, and I'm going to do that probably the second week in May, I think. I'll give you money. Oh, you're awesome. Thank you. I have some money. Okay. You can have it. Like, it's 20 bucks. So I, have I, mean, tw- I have so many $20. You have so many $20. <laughs> I know, I know. It's the, you know, the, the, that domain, domain tools money is yeah, flowing freely. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I don't, I don't know how we got here, Alan, but I'm so glad we did. Like, this is so much fun. So, what's been your favorite thing so far? Like, other than the than talk on creativity, but what else has been really fun for you here? So, the one thing that I don't normally get to do in my day job is I don't get to geek out about DNS. Um, and we so, do that. I know. <laughs> so, i like been over to your booth and talking to people about DNS, and I've been over to some of the other people that also do domain stuff and, like, geeking out about DNS. And in particular, an area that I'm really fascinated by is... DNS over HTTPS detection and DNS over TLS detection and like geeking out with some of the challenges and identifying that traffic and then stopping that traffic and it's been great being able to talk to people at the booths and sort of the subject matter experts on that because I'm definitely not that area Um, and and so that's the thing that I've really really liked and that's one of the things that I love about coming to this conference is the, the booths are great. I, I'm not a free swag person. I, I have enough free swag to last me for a small life. Although, thank you for the domain tool stickers. are going to be great on my new laptop. Awesome. But being able to talk to, like, the subject matter experts here and, like, just sit down and, like, pull them aside at the booth and watch their product managers get really pissed off as they're talking to somebody who's clearly not a customer but wants to engage them in, in, in this kind of level of discussion. And they seem to like it, too. Like, nobody's ever told me, okay, I got to go and do things now um so i really enjoyed that part of the conversation that's awesome okay well in terms of like outside of rsa like what's something that in the industry going on right now that like you're really excited about so not in the industry um but i think the 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 sort of the global ransomware task force that the biden administration has put together has been really really good um on the podcast. Yeah. Did you listen to that? I did. Oh, I did. Absolutely. Oh, and I know you yeah. guys have talked about it, but I think, you know, we're still playing whack-a-mole, right? And yeah. the problem with whack-a-mole is the, the mole always wins in the end. Um, I, in in um, a presentation that I do, I talk about uh, exactly this, the whack-a-mole problem. And somebody reached out to me after a presentation and said, 
Yeah, did you know they have actually have professional whack-a-mole leagues? I did not know that. So, what? But yes, there are professional whack-a-mole leagues um, that you can sign up and join. Is it stupid that I feel like I could do that? I, I, I Same. Like, I was like, oh, a I sport was... that I could finally do. Yes! Um, yeah. And, and um, you know, that's completely a side point, other than if you want to join your local professional whack-a-mole league. Um, but... We have to do something, right? Like, defense isn't enough. We have to be on the offense, and, and I love what they're doing. The Hive takedown this year, which you all have talked about, the Genesis market takedown was huge. Also, I know you've talked about that. Like, I like that we're taking these kind of bold steps, but we need to do something that's more aggressive because Russia is obviously a recalcitrant state. They aren't going to cooperate with taking down ransomware actors. I mean, you saw the Hive takedown, right? Yeah. There were 27 countries on here that can't agree on anything, but they all hate ransomware actors. Like, it's, you know, it's a pretty galvanizing thing, like, yeah. not liking ransomware people. So that's an, interest, that's an interesting sociological thing, too. We can't right. agree on anything, but we can agree on this. Why is that? Because <laughs> ransomware sucks. Yeah. Um, but maybe, uh, maybe that's the end of the, the talk, then. Yeah. Yeah, we, we solved it. <laughs> But, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why people don't like ransomware in particular, because there's a lot of really bad cybercrime, but, like, nobody's up in arms about business email compromise actors the way they are about ransomware. I think because ransomware is much more visceral than business email compromise. sexier. Right. Yeah. Clearly. I think we need to keep moving the conversation further and further that way. What else can we do to be more aggressive going after it? Defenses aren't enough. Companies are already overwhelmed with alerts and everything. Um, if the government can take more aggressive action, not killing anybody, um, then then you know, we have a better chance overall of stopping ransomware and making ransomware uh, kind of a thing of the past. Uh, you know, they'll move on to the next thing, and then we'll all have to you know mobilize and solve that next thing. But at least we'll have stopped this. Yeah. And, and you know we'll have a little bit of time to breathe and kind of regroup. It's kind of like the, uh, I don't want to hurt you, I just want to talk to you for a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know <laughs> come what? Come here, come here. Just come to Poland, we'll yeah, have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Just, we're just two guys talking. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. So, I w- I w- that was actually going to be my follow-up question, is like, what concerns you most in the industry? Is that kind of like leads into that? Is there anything else that would concern you or just wanted to give you a chance to answer that? <laughs> so, this is an unpopular opinion at RSA. Um... There's too much. Too much at RSA? No, there, no, too, too many security vendors. Oh. Like, walk into any large size, even medium sized company, they have a dozen, two dozen, sometimes 50 or 100 different security vendors. That means a dozen security consoles, maybe a, a half dozen different kinds of different formats of alerts, and they're trying to shove it all into a SIM that's overloaded and you have alerts you know, of varying degrees of importance all kind of coming out at the same time, like, that, that make it really hard to prioritize. One of the things that CIS is doing right now, they're emphasizing the, and I, again, I think you all talked about this, or maybe you are going to talk about it, um, the move to make more secure software, which is like 30 years too late. Like, okay. that should have been the, the goal from the start. Because the reason that we have all of these vendors and the reason that RSA exists is because we can't make more secure software, um, or we're not incentivizing companies to make more secure software. Um, But in some ways, having all these different security vendors inside every organization makes them less secure. 
and that really worries me because how do you keep up on the the alerts? I mean, it's one of the reasons why I like a company like Domain Tools because Domain Tools isn't a new Blinky box in the network, right? It's something that makes the other Blinky boxes better. Um, I feel the same way about us at Recorded Future. Um, and, and, and some of these, I like ways to make the tools you have more effective, not here's another tool to add to it. And I think we need more of that in the industry. And that means more interoperability and more cooperation. That means that, yes, Mandiant or now Google Security has to work with CrowdStrike and Checkpoint and and everybody else. Like you right. have to interoperate with each other. I don't care if it's bad for your bottom line. It's better for the people that we're trying to protect. And yeah. ultimately, that's what we should be focusing toward. I realize your shareholders may not like that, but ultimately, that's what we should be looking at. I think like from an ethical standpoint, like we're all you know coming from the same angle of like we want to give bad actors more bad days. So that that seems like it would. Be sense yep. yeah so uh, like what are your thoughts on how we rectify that I don't know man yeah. I mean what there's no incentive for Mandian to work yeah. clo- more closely with CrowdStrike or Checkpoint or anything like that in fact they're disincentivized to do that I don't know how we change the incentive structure it's okay. gonna call co- you know I mean really it's up to the large customers that you know like the people that spend uh, you know a million plus two million ten million dollars a year with these big companies to say you need to work with this other vendor because we're not pulling them out. We yep. want both of you, and we want seamless integration between the two. And and you're going to integrate the way we want, not the way you want us to. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's the only way that change happens because when you start losing big customers, then, I mean, that's what happened with ArcSight, right? Ar- ArcSight, you know, for the while, they were, they were king of sims. They, nobody could touch them, but they were too hard to work with. And so people said, you know what, we're going to go where it's easier to, to, to work with because, you know, you've made it impossible to work with. And, and ArcSight didn't see that coming, unfortunately, um, for them. Um, I mean, ArcSight's still around and their product's a lot better than it was. But, you know, they've, they've kind of gotten that reputation that now it's hard to get back to them. Gotcha. Well, Alan, this has been a great conversation. Um, can, can I ask you maybe one more question before we conclude? Is I'm really, and to kind of go back to the beginning a little bit, I'm really interested in your path to cybersecurity. So you started as a sociology major. How does how does one like you make it to be a ransomware uh, researcher? Um, so I'll tell you right from the start that if you're looking for a career like this in cybersecurity, it does help to be an old white guy. If you're not an old white guy, it's a little Shoot. bit harder. I know. I know. I only have 50% of those things. <laughs> Wait. No. no a third. 25%. A third? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think a, a, third, third. a third. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. Um, um, so I was a sociology major and my first job was at the Survey Research Center at the University of Maryland. Um, I was the only guy in the uh, group, so I became the network admin because I was the only one willing to crawl under the desks and plug in the Ethernet cable. Well, it wasn't even Ethernet cables. It was um, uh, coax cables. Okay. Um, uh, And so from there, because now I had networking experience under my belt, I went to go work for an ISP uh, called Genie Online Services, which was an early competitor AOL. And I did that, and then I went to go work in the Network Operations Center for an ISP called UUNet, 
and went from the network operations center to the data center side, and then we did some security stuff because we had to configure firewalls and so on. Uh, Unionet got acquired by a bunch of companies and eventually got acquired by WorldCom, who then committed what was at the time the world's largest uh, financial fraud. Um, since now it looks quaint compared to some of the other financial fraud cases that have happened. Um, but that meant they laid me off along with 23,000 of my closest friends. But, and this is where being the old white guy comes in, um, a buddy of mine that had gone to work for a managed security services provider uh, reached out to me and said, hey, I need a SOC analyst. And I'm like, okay, knock, SOC, they rhyme, I'm sure I can do it. Yes. And he's like, yeah, why not? And so I became a SOC analyst. I did that for a couple years. Then um, uh, uh, we got acquired by Symantec, and I didn't want to work for a large company. Okay. And then a buddy of mine that worked for a small, um, uh, a small boutique security firm was like, hey, um, we need somebody who knows how to hack Apache to come work for us. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've done plenty of that. Um, and so um, I went to go work for them, and that turned out to be a government contracting job. I did that for seven years until I was asked to not come back. So it was one of those cases where I was right, but I wasn't presenting myself in the correct way. Um, we were doing a thing, and the guy that was running the operation insisted that the thing we were doing was in Georgia, the country, but it wasn't. It was in Georgia, the state. And he would not believe me, even though I had years and years of networking experience, and he did not. And he sent a thing to like all of the bosses and everything, we're doing this. This is definitely in Georgia, the country. And so I wrote back with the trace route and I said, see the ATL right there? That's Atlanta. That's right. the last hop. This is Georgia, the state. We can't do this. It's illegal. You idiot. And it was the you idiot. That, oh, because um, I was like, I'm on board with you, Alan. Ah. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The you idiot um, as a contractor was never a good thing to say to uh, one of the people that actually worked for that. Um, so they asked me not to come back. Um, and so I posted on Facebook back when Facebook was a thing. I guess it's still a thing. Um, that, uh, you know, I'm done there. And so a buddy of mine also on Facebook said, hey, I need somebody to come be a sales engineer for me. Um, and I'm like, oh, all right. And so I was then a sales engineer. Okay. Um, Sounds like you're in the camp of how hard can it be? Right. And so I, did, I, I wound up working for Symantec. I worked with Symantec for three years as a sales engineer. And then I got um, another friend of mine who wanted me to come work for a company called Eyesight Partners. So I did that for three years. We got acquired by um, uh, FireEye at the time. I did not like, FireEye's a great company. The role I was in wasn't a good fit for me. So another friend of mine at Recorded Future back in 2016 said, hey, why don't you come work for us? And so I came to work for them. Okay. So it's been a lot of friends saying, hey, come work here. And then I go work there. Um, okay. I, which I don't, like. I feel bad because that's not a career path that most people can kind of uh, uh, follow. Like it's not. Well, I think it's important to hear because you know when people want to make pivots, they don't know where to start. So I think it's it's really daunting to think you know how can I make a change when I didn't go to school for that or you know I, I don't have any experience to speak to that. So I think stories like this are always good to hear. Like it's like oh he could do it, I could do it too. Yeah, that, that was a. Um, so one of the colleges that I presented at, one of the um, one of the women um, was like, "Hey, um, I really like this job," and she was showing me the job posting. But I don't meet this requirement. I don't meet this requirement. And I'm like, "Look, think like an old white guy, and apply for the damn job. And if they ask about it, say, I, I don't, but I can do it, no problem. Like, just 
fake the confidence. You know what? That's the energy I had when I applied it to me. That's fantastic. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try this. And if they say no, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the worst thing to do is not hire you, yeah, right? I yeah. mean, you know, the if it's a job you really want and you meet enough of the requirements, do it. But also, go through your LinkedIn connections and find somebody to work there and say, hey, I'm applying for this job. Let them put in the good word for you. Because they'll probably get an employee um, referral bonus, so they certainly are incentivized to have you come work there and stay there. Are you saying, like, do you have to know that person to ask? I would say it should be somebody that's a connection. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't say just go to a random stranger and say, hey, can you put a recommendation for me because I don't think that's going to work out well for you. True. Um, it might. I, I never know. I'm sure it's worked for some people. I don't know that that would work for everybody. But if you've built up a, a good enough LinkedIn connection, you probably have um, somebody who may work for that company that you're interested yeah. in. And, you know, kind of go from there. Okay. I think that's great advice. Um, so... What, what are you planning on doing for the remainder of your time at RSA? Um, I've got a bunch of other podcasts, nothing personal. Please don't oh. oh. You're always going to oh. be my favorite. Okay. I'm okay with that. Um, I, I have two <laughs> other podcast interviews, um, some lunch meetings, and then there's a blogger thing tonight that I'm looking forward to. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, I'm not really a blogger. I have a blog, but I'm not a blogger. Um, so, um, but... You know, I, I'm going to go check it out the anyway. Book. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Um, and uh, just in general, um, you know, hang out and enjoy. I'm uh, going to have lunch with some people that I haven't seen in a long time, which is another fun thing about here. Yeah. And then dinner with some friends tonight. So. That sounds lovely. Yes. How about you? Um, so I am working the booth. I'm going to try to talk to some more people for the Good. podcast. Um, what else am I doing? Uh, Domain Tools is having a party tonight, so nice. we're going to that. Are you come? You don't have to come. I wasn't. I wasn't invited. <laughs> Wait, what? I wasn't invited. I'm inviting you. Okay. Please come. What time? I, I don't understand if you're busy. What time? We even starts at 6 p.m. at the right. Fly Trap. Let me figure it out. Um, uh, how long will it run? Two hours. Okay. Because the blogger thing also starts at 6, but maybe I can do that for an hour and then come visit you. Okay. I'll send you the information. Please do. I'd yes. love to go. Yeah. Um, and should I send people over to the booth to interview you? That would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. I'll absolutely do that. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alan, for being here today. I love getting to meet you in person. This has been yes. amazing. We've been kind of like going a little bit back and forth on Twitter, so this is yep. this is so much fun for me. Absolutely, yeah. and uh, looking forward to it. And uh, I think we'll be talking more. I, I hope we do. <laughs> yeah, that would All be right. lovely. Cool. All right, thanks, Alan. Well, thank you. Bye. Thank you again to Alan for graciously giving us some of his time at RSA. We realize how busy this event can be, and I'm delighted we had the chance to meet in person finally. It's always fun to meet folks in the industry after having interacted online. Um, So be sure to stop back next week as we continue our Stronger Together mini-series. Bye-bye for now. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. 
We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.